uh, uh, open up your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Matthew and just hold your place there uh, because this message was birthed out of the end of, ma- uh, the end of service last week. I was speaking to somebody. I even told this individual, you just gave me my message for next week. Thank you, Carmina. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, we were sitting there talking, and God started to set, settle something in my chest, and I went, my God, that's a word, and I didn't even know it, and it has been sitting on me since Sunday of last week, and I have been itching to get this thing out. Over the last few weeks, we have begun to deal in this church with going to another level in God, and I know every church says it every year at the beginning of the year. You are two weeks in. Can I just say this real quick? Do not let the gym effect take over on you. Do y'all know what I'm saying? Do not come strong in the first month and then dwindle out by December. I need you to stay strong all year long. And so I'm asking you to commit to this thing because God wants to do something greater than you've ever seen, but it's going to require you. It doesn't require more out of me. It requires more out of you. Because if you want him to do it in your life, you're going to have to step up. You're going to have to step to another level. But over the last few weeks, we've been dealing with these places. God has laid some heavy words on my spirit. We've talked about fulfilling our assignment to get over looking for purpose and start doing the work to fulfill the purpose. Can I get an amen from somebody? How many of y'all want to know what God's called you to? Okay, I'm going to help you real quick. This is not a rebuke. Have you done what he asked you to do the first time? Because you cannot fulfill the purpose until you fulfill the assignment. The purpose is the finish of a thing. It is not the beginning of a thing. It is the culmination of you fulfilling the assignment that he has for your life. If you are not fulfilling the assignment, if you are not walking according to his ways, his plans, his purpose, if you are not living according to the word of God, if you're living according to your ways more than you are his ways, you are not going to fulfill your purpose. You are going to wander through the desert, wonder where God has gone, and God has not gone anywhere. You have walked into a desert that he wasn't dwelling in. God says, fulfill my assignments. You say, Pastor, it's not about works. It's not about works, but doggone it, when Christ dwells on the inside of you, you should have a desire to tell others. When Christ dwells on the inside of you, you are not who you used to be. You have become something brand new. Will you please tell the world what he's doing? We dealt with fulfilling the assignment, and then last week we talked about committing your ways. Not committing to coming to church, but committing your ways, your existence, your lifestyle, everything that you are. Do they see God or do they see you? When you walk into a room, do they see the reflection of God or do they see the reflection of your pain, struggles, and strife? Do they see your ups and your downs or do they see the King of kings and the Lord of lords? What are you reflecting in this hour? What have you committed to? It's amazing what we'll commit to. We'll commit to things that feed the flesh. We'll commit to things that feed our, 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 what, our wants and our desires. But when God says, give me your life, we go, no, I'll give you portions. God says, no, commit your way. In other words, commit the direction that you walk in, everything that you do, everywhere you go, let me be a part of it. And if you'll let me be a part of it, I will manifest in your life greater than I ever have. And this is where I started to see the struggle was that we are not committing ways, we are committing emotions. We're committing moments. But I need to say over the last two weeks, I have seen a leap in the faith in this house. I have seen a leap in the strength in this house. I have seen new people come in and become a part of the family in moments. And I want to say this as your pastor, I am so proud of you. As your pastor, I am rejoicing at home while I'm watching you do the work of God, while you show the people around you that God is not dead, but he dwells in the hearts of his people. I am so proud of you, but I need to ask this question. How many of you want to experience and walk in the fullness of God? Now, this is an interactive sermon, so if you don't respond, I'm going to keep asking until you do. How many of you want to walk and experience the fullness of God? Now, that's four of you that got vocal. Now, the saints are playing at 340 today, and you will probably scream at the television whether you're a saints fan or not. It doesn't matter. You're going to scream at something today. So I'm going to ask you again, how many of you want to experience and walk in the fullness of God? Okay. Now, you understand that not only I heard that and your neighbor heard that, but all of heaven has now heard it. 
You are now committed. You have opened up your mouth. You have said something. Now you're going to have to walk in it because whatever you speak, you have to do. Okay. Here's the funny thing. You notice I didn't say this year because this is the problem that we do in the church. We only get you to commit for 365 days. It's like signing up for a gym membership. If I could just get you to commit to three months of working out, you would be fit. The problem is, is that if you don't change your mindset, you'll be fat after the three months. And that's the problem that we exist in is that we think that we just, we slap a number on it. Where This is my year. This, this, God did not come to move in your year. He came to move in your life. Can you please let him move in your life and not just your year? Because when 365 days is over, you will start to look for something greater. And God is great enough. Can you just walk and experience the fullness of God, period? So it's not me asking, can you do it for this year? I'm asking you, do you want to walk and experience the fullness of God, period? This question is asked over and over every year. And every one of us declare, yes, God, I want to go to the next level. After pastor asks three times. We all go, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to experience the greater that God has for me. But have you ever stopped and asked yourself why we have not seen it yet? Why we haven't felt it yet? Why we haven't experienced it yet? I, I, I remember, I remember uh, I was uh, 13. No, I was older than that. I was probably 16, 17. I went to a place called Oaxaca, Mexico. I'm talking in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing. And we're in the middle of this mountain range in the middle of Mexico, and we go to have a service one night. And a little boy that was probably roughly around the age of six walked from his neighborhood. His neighborhood was three miles away. He came down the side of a mountain by himself to see what God might do. What you don't know about this young man is that he was crippled. His right foot was turned completely sideways. He came down the mountain three miles to see what God was going to do because he heard there were some people in the town at the church three miles away from his home that was, was going to be ministering about Jesus, and he came to see. He left his mother and his father three miles away to experience what God might have for him. The boy walks in, walks up to the altar, dragging his right foot. It was swollen because he had come down the side of a mountain. I'm not talking about a pathway down the mountain. The brother went down the side of a mountain. He walks into the service, comes to the altar. The pastor and the team that we were with begin to pray for him. The boy walks out with his foot pointing straight like the other one. Now you go, man, that's amazing. Why is it not happening today? Because we don't want to experience and walk in the fullness of God. We want to experience and walk in the emotional feel-goods of the existence of church. Tickle me, pastor. Make me feel good about it. Tell me I'm going to have my best life. You ain't going to have your best life, Jack, until you give God your best life. This whole mamby-pamby, live how you want to live until hopefully God gives you what you want is foolishness. I can't expect my wife to love me if I don't love her with everything I got. And if my love with my wife, if the love from my wife starts to dwindle, the first thing that Brian needs to check is how much I'm committed into the loving of her. Not, oh, she don't love me. Let me tell you something. People might not love you because you don't love nobody. It's amazing to me. We'll blame everything else. We'll blame all the situations, all the circumstances. Do you know that there is nothing withholding God from moving in your life right now but you? You are the only roadblock to the move of God. Nobody in this world can block God from moving in your life. You are the only, because it is our mind that affects our heart. It is our mind that tells our heart how to beat. You allow thoughts up here that affect how your heart feels towards the things of God. And God says, please shut your mind off. Let me have control of that so your heart can be affected by who I am. 
I'll never forget there was a church here in, here in Slidell that when we were looking for a building, we were looking all over the place, and the church had reached out to us, and, and, and they said, they said, man, we were interested in you maybe coming and looking at the possibility of you being our pastor and yada, 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 and taking over the church. And I started to look into their statements of faith, and they said point blank in their statements of faith that they don't believe in miracles. Y'all know what I did, right? <laughs> I walked out on that one. You're not even going to try. No, 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 because I'm not going to deal. I, I can't I can't deal. Because I'm walking in with full faith, and if somebody in that room is going, we don't believe in that, I, I, I can't live that way. I can't exist because I need to exist in the fullness of God, not the partiality of God, because God is a full God, not a, eh. If you ever get to the point in your existence where God becomes a, eh, you might want to check your commitment level. You might want to check where you are. Let me, give you, let me give you this scripture real quick. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It'll be on the screen. You can turn your Bibles, write it down. I got to get through this message because I got just a little bit of time. It says in verse four, chapter 4, verse 18, it says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. They left their what? Left their nets. Uh, so, so, so I got this thing. Some of y'all probably could throw this way better than me. I didn't grow up in Louisiana, so I don't know how to throw these things. I grew up in Florida where people catch my fish for me and make it. Amen. And uh, I, don't, I, don't, I despise fishing. If you love fishing, praise God for you. I'll let you fish for me. You can bring me to fish. Amen. Uh, I just, I'm, fishing is not my strong suit. It's not what I want. I, I catch more turtles than I catch fish. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room? Uh, and it's always a dang snapping turtle, too. Can I get an amen? Uh, and those things don't come off a line. And so it says that Jesus has come along, and he finds, these, he finds these men, and he sees them that they're fishing. They're committed people to their own lifestyle. They're committed to them fulfilling and gaining what they need in order to live. Jesus walks up to them, sees what they're doing, and he says, hey, come follow me. How many of y'all have ever heard Jesus tell you to come follow him? If you're in this room, you probably heard it. Can I get an amen from somebody? I hope that you've heard it. If you haven't, you're going to hear it today, and we're going to have a moment for you at the end of this service. Uh, but but you, maybe you've never, maybe you've, you've all heard it. Jesus called you. He saw you where you were, saw you in your existence, saw you what you were dealing with, saw what you were going through, and he shows up in the middle of your existence and says, hey, come follow me. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. How many of y'all have followed? Okay. Watch what it says here in that scripture. It says that disciples or these, these men, what did they do? They did what? They left their what? They put down their what? Why? Because you can't follow something and carry where you've been. Because you will always compare where you're going to what you're doing rather than accepting what he's calling you to become. He said, put down. He says, and he did. You know, what's funny is that the scripture doesn't say that Jesus told them to put down their nets. It says all he said was, follow me. And they chose to put down their livelihoods. They chose to put down their way of doing things. They chose to put down their existence. They chose to put down what they knew so that they could gain a greater aspect of who God was or what might happen in this moment. All of us have done this. When I was a sinner, I gave up my sinful lifestyle. I gave up my ways. I gave up my stupidity, and I decided to follow Jesus. Doesn't mean I can go back to it. So this morning, for just a few minutes, I need to preach to you a message called Put It Down. Because the problem in the church today is that we run around telling God we're serving him while we're still carrying our nets. Because here's what happens. The moment God doesn't give us what we want, we throw the nets back out. Let me see if I can get what's mine. Let me see if I can drag in what's mine. I would open this thing, but it would hit somebody in the head. Amen. Well, we, well, we, we're like always trying to, trying to get what's ours and drag it back in. I, it's amazing to me what I watch believers trying to drag back into their lives. 
Oh, oh no, 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 God, I, God, can I get a spouse? God, I need my Boaz. I need my Esther. God, you're not bringing it quick enough. Let me throw my net out and see if I can catch it. Well, you better be careful what you bring back in that net. You're going to find something that ain't going to do any good for you. Oh, and then it's funny. It's like they're like this. Oh, here it comes. Ooh, and they're like, man, this is weird. And that's because you caught something that's going to kill you. You don't catch nothing. God brings you every. Mm. I didn't throw a net to catch my wife, baby. Let me trust you on that one. I didn't throw a net to catch Tiffany. God brought her to me. But I had to put down my net. I had to get tired and, and, and say, you know what? I've been trying to do it myself, and I've been looking in all the wrong places. Looking for love in all the wrong places. That's what y'all said. I'm Jesus. Your Boaz ain't on Facebook. Calm down. Well, they might be, but, but you need to get to know them first. Amen. I looked at them, and I was like, that's the one. No! Liars don't do that. You're going to end up with a, with, a, with, with a convict on your hands. You ain't careful. Lord help me. And I'm a convict, so I can say that. Amen. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a felon, so I can say that. See what you got, baby? Look at the Lord. You caught me. Amen. It's amazing what we try to throw a net at. Some of y'all trying to throw a net at God. Here's the funny part. You pull the net back in, and you look what's in the net, and you discard what you don't want. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want that. No, you can get that out of my net. That, that's ugly. I don't want that foolishness. You live for him. I'm going to live for me, and he's going to give me what I want. See, that's what the church does today. Catch Jesus and discard him as soon as they catch him. Jesus said, you can't catch me. You have to dwell with me. You have to live with me. You have to walk with me. You have to talk with me. But this is the danger in the church days because we're not putting down nets anymore. We're carrying nets into our existence with God. God says, if you're going to walk with me, you're going to put down everything you think, know, and desire, and you're going to find your desires in me. For the Bible says, I'll give you the desires of what? Your heart. In other words, if your heart is in me, I'll give you what you want. But if your desires are still in the world, you're going to get what you want out of it. I can't have a godly marriage until I have God in my marriage. I can't have godly children until I have God in the raising of my children. I can't have a godly church until I put God back in the church and stop evicting him out to the hallway to the coffee section so that everybody can feel comfortable out attending your church. This is not a comfort place, baby. This is a challenge place. This is an encouragement place. This is a shifting place. This is a miracle place. This is where the presence of God dwells. Jesus didn't walk around as a barista serving coffee. Here, let me comfort you in your stuff. And for those of y'all want a coffee house in the church, keep praying. Maybe God will speak one day. But right now, the answer is no. You want to know why? Because I have, a, I have a greater passion and desire, and that's to get you into the kingdom, not to a local coffee house. Mm, keep carrying my nets. Y'all are messed up today. I, I don't know what's on me, but it's just going to get crazier and crazier as we go. I don't know what's about to happen. It just, something's lost. I've lost my mind. Okay. And so... Uh, God, I want you to use me. Put down your net. No. God, I want you to do a miracle in my life. Put down your net. Uh-uh. Why? Because you might not give me what I want. Duh. Because when you got what you want, you were dying. But when you get what I have, you'll live. See, the net represents your comfortability in getting what you've always had. Yeah. You know that statement? Oh, that's just what he always does. I mean, you should be mad if somebody ever says that about you. Because that means you've come to a place where you are just consistent in being the old you. And you refuse to accept the new you that Christ 
It's called YouTube. I cannot pick up this net. Jesus came into my life and said, Brian, put down the net. God, who's going to provide? I will. But, but, but God, I, I've got a past, and you, the world will call. Yeah, but I'll go ahead of you. Okay, but God, this is all I know. I know it's all you know, but now it's time for you to find out what I have. It's time for you to gain greater wisdom, for the Bible says that wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom doesn't keep you with what you know. It causes you to learn more. It causes you to grow more. And God says, put the net down. It's amazing to me, and I've said this over and over, it's amazing to me how we will continue to go back to the former things. We'll go back to the things that God, how many of y'all God's delivered you out of something? Okay, praise God, we're all in this room. How many of y'all have gone back and picked up what he delivered you from? Do you know why? Because it's easier to throw the net than it is to trust that God will provide without the net. It's easier to throw the net because I know what I can gain from it rather than put the net down and know that even when I'm hungry, God will sustain me. That, you know, it might get down to the last edge, the last corner, the last this, the last that, but God is always faithful. This is one of the hardest things we do as believers is to declare this statement because it's hard to believe. It's hard to say that God will provide. Oh, God shall provide all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Yet when it doesn't happen, you go, God, where are you at? God, I don't understand. You just quit on me. I don't understand. I'm going to go pick up my net. I gotta go. I, you know, God, if you won't give me what I want, I'll get it myself. You think people don't say that? Do you think you haven't said that? Because let me help with something. I've said it. You might not want to tell me in, in your church space that you've said it, but I've said it. I've told God, God, you don't want to give it to me. I'll go get it myself. And you wonder why it took me till I was 30 to find Tiffany. God wasn't holding her up for me. I was holding myself up because I kept looking for love, throwing nets out, finding Delilah's. Oh, I'm going to look at what I caught. Ooh, look what I caught. Ooh, God, it's like a, it's like a Mona Lisa. Some of y'all will catch that. The minute the closer it gets, it's not as attractive as what you saw from a distance. Don't, don't judge me. You're going to have to be attracted to what God calls you to. Amen. Why? It's like, that's not funny. That's good stuff. That's what that is. Oh, 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 I threw it and I said, oh, look what I got. And I caught a Jezebel. Either one that wanted to take my, take my anointing or one that wanted to kill me. And I'm, oh, look what I caught. Even to the fact that I brought her to my family and look what I got. And all my family went, don't do it. I'm like, you don't know. I know. I'll keep throwing my net. till I finally got to a point in a one-bedroom apartment where I said, I'm tired of throwing this net because it's not catching anything good. How many more times are you going to go back to your net? Listen, I, what I'm asking for in this house, I'm not going to ask for any other church, but I'm going to ask it in this house. Can we please abandon what God's delivered us from? Stop going back and visiting it. If God's delivered you, if God is truly dwells on the inside of you and he's erased everything on the inside of you, can I please get you to just walk away from it and divorce that sucker? Evict that thing. Stop making it socially acceptable to go back to who you used to be. God doesn't want you who you used to be. He's calling you to who he's made you to become. Please step into that place. The Bible says we're all born in sin. We give up sin so that we can live with him. When you choose to live with him, choose to live with him. And I'll use this as a case in point. My wife would not put up with me living with her and living with somebody else. Can I get an amen? No, I need an amen, sweetheart. Amen. Okay. 
Good preaching right there. <laughs> she wouldn't. She's like, you're going to have to choose. Isn't that the same thing Jesus told you? Choose you this day whom you'll serve. You can't serve two masters. That's called a double-minded man. And a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. You want to know why the church is unstable? Because it's full of a bunch of unstable Christians. Lack of commitment, lack of fulfilling assignments, people who are not willing to put down their nets and follow Christ, but tell Christ where they're going and tell Christ to follow them. This is what the church has become. Jesus, I won't follow you. You're going to follow me. And if you decide to walk away, that's your choice. I'm going to live for me. Because we are better at being hurt than we are at being free. Because the only reason that these guys kept going back and fishing was because they had to provide for their families but they hadn't learned the concept yet that God shall provide. I want to experience the greater. I want to experience. Then you're going to have to put down your nets this year. and You're going to have to stop going back to them. Cut your nets. Put, 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 up, put a pair of scissors to them and cut them up. Put them in the trash. Don't revisit them. Let the trash man take them. Don't chase, chase the trash truck down because you had a revelation that you want to reconcile that piece of furniture. Let it go. I love when I see that happen. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't take it. Watch this. How many of you remember the day Christ came into your life? Remember? How many of you remember when he called you? Remember how you felt? Remember the feeling he overwhelmed you? Remember how he delivered you and set you free? Remember his love and his kindness? Do you remember? Yeah. You remember? They were like, yeah, that was a great moment. Good. Do you remember the struggles that came after it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the weariness? Do you remember the, what, what you felt like when you were attacked? Do you remember questioning your decision to follow him at moments of your life? Do you remember some of you? Do you remember walking away from him? I do. You know what's funny to me? When I talked about the good moments, the room wasn't so loud. The moment I said, you remember the struggle, she's like, amen. Yes, Lord. That's the problem. We are majoring on the struggle, and we are minoring on the promise. And God says, in order for you to walk with me, in order for you to walk away from your nets, the struggle cannot live where the Savior dwells. You're going to have to choose which one you live in. You're going to have to choose which one you talk about. You're either going to talk about me, or you're going to talk about your past. Which one are you going to talk about? Because you cannot carry your past into your future. Stop trying to drag your ugly old nets into the promise of a full table that you didn't even have to go fishing for. Well, the Bible says, I set a table for you in the midst of your enemies. Do you know what that table looks like, Jack? It is not some little, little, little dinky finger sandwiches. It's a five-course meal because that's how God operates. God says, I'm going to give you everything you need, but you're going to have to come to me to get it. You're going to have to live in me to get it. You're not going to live in you to get it. You're going to live in me to get it. The problem is, is that we tell God how to set the table. <sighs> Pastor, please be nice. Good. I'm going to go back to the scripture. It goes back in that verse. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore, he sees two guys. Can I ask you this question? Does he see you? Jesus called out to them, come follow me. In verse 19, come follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. I'll call you to something greater. And they left their nets and once and followed him. One day in your existence, Jesus saw you, saw where you were and called you by name. But he didn't just call you to comfort you. He called you to evict you. Oh, that's the great thing about Jesus. He loves serving eviction notices. Because he did not come to, oh, let me, oh, oh. No, he's tired of you hurting. So he says, here's the eviction notice. I'm calling you out. We did it earlier. Lazarus, come out. Some of y'all are like, I'm not, I'm not jumping in church. Some of y'all need to jump. You need, to, you need that eviction notice. You need that eviction out of your, or your complacency or your, or your comfortability. You need that eviction out of your stuff. You need somebody to tell you enough is enough. 
He called you to evict you. How many of you know that when Jesus called you, he called you to greater things? He called you to put your net down. And this is, this is I told you this is easy today. Because go with me to John chapter 21, because this is how, this is what I, this is the two scriptures that God gave me. This is all he gave me to deal with. That in John chapter 21, it says this, Simon Peter, Peter, the one called Simon, said to them, I'm going fishing. We'll come to, we'll, we'll come to, they all said. These are all the disciples. So they went out in the boat, but they caught what? They caught what? And at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? And what did they respond with? No. Why? This is after Jesus has died, and Jesus has been buried in a borrowed tomb, and he said he's going to raise three days later, but we haven't seen him yet. God, I miss, I miss that one that used to walk with me and talk with me. I can see Peter going, man, remember that time he called us out of the boat and I, I walked on the water and got scared. I started to drown and Jesus questioned my faith and he said, he said, Peter, you know, all you have to do is have faith as a mustard seed and he picked me up in place. He didn't let me drown. He picked me up and placed me back in the boat. Remember that moment? Yeah, man. Hey, remember that moment, Peter? Uh, we went to that, that, that place and, and, and God, did, Jesus did that miracle or healed that that centurion soldier. Remember, remember all those times? Yeah, I remember. But, but where is he now? Well, I, I miss him telling us what to do. I miss him giving us the, the, the plan to live our lives. I, I miss those moments. And, 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 man, I just don't know what to do if he's not talking to me. Not one disciple ever said in that moment that he spoke enough. Not one disciple in that moment said, what are y'all talking about? We walked with him. We talked with him. He told us the plan. He even told us in the beginning that one day he would be delivered. That he would be buried in a borrowed tomb. And then three days later, he would rise again and ascend to the right hand of the Father. From day one, we knew the plan. And now we're sitting here in this moment and we don't see him. We don't feel him. And then we're going back to what we've always done. Not one of the disciples was courageous enough to bring conviction to the moment and speak up. They just went with the flow. It says that Simon Peter, what, what, they, what the Bible says is one of the top three that were the closest to Jesus. This man was like a brother to Jesus. Same one who denied Jesus. Now ended up at the place where he started. Back throwing nets. Because it's easy to go back to who we were than to just stay in the moment and continue on no matter what. I can't go back and pick up those nets. You know what's in these nets for me? Trying to get over abuse. Trying to get over failures trying to get over as a child wanting to die because I just didn't want to deal anymore. All the things, man, if I, man, this is, this is a, this is a cute representation of my existence because my net, man, it's dirty. It's got stuff in it you wouldn't want to take home. It's ugly. Jesus said, put those nets down. I want to call you to something greater. And boy, did I argue. This is what I did. This is what I did. Okay, God, I'll put my net down. 
look, Lord, I'm following you. Then there came a day where the rope ran out. God said, I let you walk with me for a while, holding on to it. But now will you let it go? Because what I'm calling you to is not defined by where you've been. What I'm calling you to is what you'll receive in me. Some of you have horrendous nets. Yet for some reason, you're convinced that sometimes it's valid to go back to it. That it's okay to go pick it back up. Let me say this to you. This is not just about sin, guys. This is about life. The hurt, the pain, the struggles. What people have said about you. What people have done to you. Let me tell you, some of y'all got people in your nets. And you keep dragging them back into your existence. God goes, put it down. You can't live with that. There's some of you in this room that have been through some hurt. Some people have done some tremendously bad things to you. Let me say how I say this, and you're, you're probably not going to like my counseling in this, but I have this thought process. You ready? Don't, don't get mad at me. I'm going to look down while I say it so you don't judge me. I understand that people are people. And can I just really just, can I just say my terminology? Y'all don't get so mad when I say this. Everybody's stupid until they prove me wrong. Now I understand what I mean by that. I don't walk in with expectations that you're going to be great. I let you show it. I let you demonstrate it. I don't walk with expectations that you're going to be some supernatural person. That way I don't put any lofty expectations on you. That way if you come up short, I don't get mad at you. I just understand that you haven't got the revelation yet. And that's okay. You know what happens though? You don't stick to my net either. You don't become a part of what I'm living with. I am free. You got people, you got struggles, you got situations, you got things in your life that have become in your nets. And God's saying, Will you please lay it down? Stop going back and picking it up. Stop trying to make it yours. This is what I delivered you from because I did not call you to fish for yourself. I called you to fish for others. As long as you're carrying this net, no one will ever come to you because they're carrying their own nets and they need someone to convince them to put theirs down. I want to say this to you as I close. I'm I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you. I said this last week. Somebody said, Pastor, what's, what's sin? Anything, anything that could damage the relationship between me and God. That's sin. And I refuse to do it. If you think that God won't be pleased with what you do, don't do it. That's putting your net down. Because I will refuse to allow what's happened in my past to determine the promise that I have with my family as pastor of this house and my existence till I die. My past does not define who God made me to be. And there are those of you in this room that your past has defined you. Your struggles have defined you. Your lack has defined you. Your things have defined you. Your issues have defined you. And God says, enough, 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 enough. Put it down. Because I'm calling you to greater things. If you're in this place, this is how I'm closing. If you're in this place, say, Pastor, I've been picking up my nets. I'm going to ask you to be bold. We started prayer with worship with bold. You might as well finish the service with boldness. If you're in this place, say, Pastor, I've been going back to my old nets. And I don't care if you're seasoned or you've been in church longer than I've been existing. I don't care if you walked with God into the church this morning. You can still go pick up your nets. If you're in this place, say, Pastor, I allow my mouth to go pick up my nets. I allow my thoughts to go pick up my nets. I allow my hands and my feet 
to carry me right back to where I used to be. And I want to walk away from it because I want God to do something greater in me. And I want to do greater things for God. If that's you in this place and you're willing, willing to walk away from the net starting now. This is not for everybody. So if all of y'all stand up. This is for those of you that feel this in this moment because this is a very serious question. This is not, oh, I want the great things from God. Because you want the great things from God, you're going to have to walk away from the nets. Don't tell me you want great from God if you can't walk away. Say, Pastor, I'm done. I'm done. Today is the divorce day. I'm signing the paperwork. I'm done with it. I'm walking away from it because I need the things in, of God in my life, and I need to be greater in God. If that's you, when I count to three, without any hesitation, I want you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. So you know this, I'm standing with you. Not because I'm at the pulpit, but because I'm standing with you. Because I have a tendency to go throw old nets sometimes. When I look at it, I'm 41 years old and I'm still renting a house. And I go, God, I sit here and I declare your word for everybody. I declare faith, I declare strength, and I can't seem to make it in my own right. I feel like I'm failing my family. I feel like I'm failing my children. And then God reminds me you haven't failed yet because you're not dead yet. I'm still God and you're still my kids. Suck it up, shut up, and keep walking. And then I got to get God to gird me up with strength because God's called me to strengthen my wife. And when she's weary, I got to go, come on, baby, we're going to do this together because I can't do it without you. That's not picking up no nets, baby. That's creating new atmospheres and new seasons for us. I am not accepting where I've been. I'm accepting where I'm going. And it, I don't get to pick the path. I just get to say, I'll follow. But here's the crazy part. They said yes. And look what they experienced. I'm going to experience the fullness. Because I'm putting my nets down.